Association Island is 64 acres on Six Town Point, a trail of rocky shoals, gravel bars, and islands that jut into Henderson Bay from Snowshoe Point. It's a few miles from where Lake Ontario flows into the St. Lawrence River and the Thousand Islands between Canada and northern New York State. It all began with a plan by businessmen who owned incandescent lamp companies in the American Midwest. They developed a cooperative so their small lamp companies could compete with the much larger General Electric. Franklin Terry and Burton Tremaine joined with other lamp company owners in 1903 for a fishing trip to Henderson Harbor. It was doomed, however, because heavy rain kept the men up all night at their shoreline campground, and that curtailed their fishing in small skiffs that were used on the lake. They chose the Muskoka Lakes in Canada and Chautauqua Lake in western New York the following years for their fishing trips. But in 1906, the Lamp Company owners returned to Henderson Harbor, where they spied Warner's Island for sale. It was an ideal location for a permanent camp where they could organize their challenge to GE. State University of New York at Albany professor Gerald Zahavi has done extensive studies on how GE used the island to advance its corporate agenda. Association Island in its early years was really a um, mechanism to discipline that competition that had uh, torn apart the industry in the 1890s and that had threatened the viability of, of business uh, through the early days of the 20th century. And it came to be called the Association Island. It was uh, the same year or pretty close to when the National Electric Lamp Company changed its name to the National Electric Lamp Association. And that's exactly what the island was meant to accomplish. It was meant to associate otherwise competing individuals with one another to build a sense of collective unity and to, to break the uh, the counterproductive, uh, intense, competitive streak that had uh, undermined the industry from the 1890s through the first decade of the 20th century. After buying Warner's Island for $2,500, the Lamp Company men installed a landing dock on the Henderson Bay side of the island and tents and latrines. Their first summer at what locals dubbed Electrical Island was in 1907, and it was very crude camping. Hey, 
The National Electric Lamp Company then changed its name to the National Electric Lamp Association, and that's how the island got its name. Terry and Tremaine kept a secret from the other members, however. GE actually owned 75% of the company, creating a monopoly on lamp products in America. When General Electric took over the island in 1911, uh, they proceeded to use it in two different ways. The first way was to build an esprit de corps, to build harmony, to build a cooperative spirit among its managers, among its employees, and among the various divisions that made up General Electric at the time. And rituals that were created on the island, around the old elm particularly, were designed specifically to forge that sort of unity, that sort of identity with the company. And there was a second way in which the company used Association Island, and that was to evaluate future leaders. Many, many individuals who became vice presidents and, and ultimately presidents of the company uh, began their experiences uh, with GE on the island itself and were evaluated, in fact, by their peers on the island. Association Island developed rapidly. A large boathouse, administration building, bathhouses, hospital, and dozens of tents were built with their distinctive canvas overhanging roofs that later became the tent cabins. In 1911 and 12, GE's secret ownership was revealed and the monopoly was broken up by a federal antitrust lawsuit. GE then assumed full ownership of the island. They poured money into development and further organized the morning business meetings and afternoon sporting activities. During World War I, GE hired New York and Florida restaurant and hotel manager John Austin, who moved with his wife Alice to Henderson Harbor. Austin would manage the hospitality employees on Association Island for the next 25 years. Henderson Harbor resident Marianne Jinjobi was a longtime neighbor and friend of the Austin's daughter, Allie. They would have what they call the camp, camp engineering, camp manufacturing, all different parts of cap electronics and so on, that the men who worked in those divisions would come and stay. And they would always, always have all kinds of competitions going on. They would have conference, but they played a lot. And they had a golf course, and they had plays. They had entertainment that came. Certain times, they would invite their families up. And they all ate in the dining hall. They had linens, they had silverware, real silver, dishes, everything had the AIC logo on it, and they printed menus. It was run like a first-class hotel. They really had the best of everything. VIPs were often flown to Association Island from New York, Schenectady, and Cleveland, or from the nearby airport in Watertown. A low flyby would announce the arrival of important visitors on board one of several Grumman amphibious airplanes used by GE in the 1940s and 50s. After landing on Henderson Bay, the pilot would taxi to the eastern shore of the island and then rev the engines to lift out of the water and onto an apron near the lagoon and boathouse. 
The amphibious planes were reserved for use by the top company executives, such as GE presidents Gerard Swope and Charles Wilson, who visited the island even after they had retired. Regional executives and special guests of the company would also be afforded the arrival by plane and VIP transportation. GE's history of using airplanes at the island began in the early years when a Curtis Jenny mail plane would arrive each morning from Schenectady with the company mail, personal letters, and daily newspapers. Remarkably, the single-engine biplane would make what appeared to be an abrupt landing on the parade grounds between the shoreline and the distinctive Association Island cabins. It obviously was a spectacle and a welcome sight as the mail was handed out as soon as the mailbag was thrown out of the cockpit. Most visitors, however, arrived at Association Island on one of GE's many boats. The company utilized a fleet of ferry boats, cabin cruisers, fishing boats, runabouts, and sailboats. A landing craft type barge named LCM was used to haul passengers, luggage, food and drinks, and all other supplies to the island. The commute by water was often the most memorable part of the trip, as passengers crammed onto the boats every half hour on arrival and departure days for the shuttle between the island and the GE dock on the mainland at Henderson Harbor. New arrivals were met by the island marching band, by lines of greeters, and even fireworks shot off from the shoreline. Visitors would be assigned a cabin and given a list of daily events and meetings that they would be expected to attend. This was, after all, a company training retreat, although recreation was the primary activity on everyone's mind. The northeast end of the island was a golf course with several more holes on nearby Hovey's Island. In later years, the shooting range was also located on the northeast end of the island, a safety feature for the shot to be propelled over the water. The softball fields were in the middle of the island, the sailboats were docked in the pond, and the shuffleboard and horseshoe pits were positioned under the shade trees with views of Henderson Bay. A crew of local employees under supervision of the island manager worked through the spring seasons to get the island ready for the summer visitors. 160 of the unique Association Island cabins were built and had to be made ready for the visitors. The grounds had to be maintained, meals prepared, cleaning to be done, and the boats made ready for transportation, fishing, and sailing, and fuel and other supplies shipped on the LCM to the island. This was a very big job, and every year, except for those when Association Island was closed because of the Great Depression and World War II, dozens of Henderson Harbor area residents were hired to do the work.
Association Island is about 15 miles from the Canadian border. During the long, dry years of Prohibition, it's a fair bet that island visitors were just as thirsty as many other Americans. Despite regular patrols of the U.S. Coast Guard around Henderson Harbor in the mid-1920s, a group of young island visitors took the island's cabin cruiser, Dauntless, on a daring daylight run out of the island lagoon and across eastern Lake Ontario to Canada for a boatload of booze. And they recklessly filmed the entire trip. It's proof that today's video posting of illicit behavior on YouTube is nothing new. Upon arriving in Kingston, Ontario, these young men and women dressed in flapper-style clothing filmed themselves carrying boxes of beer and bottles of wine and liquor out of a store near the renowned Prince George Hotel on the waterfront in Kingston, even engaging their taxi driver to help. At the dock, the pile of booze was loaded onto the boat for the return trip across the border to Association Island and later, secretly hidden away from the island crowd at a shore dinner in the woods, the smuggled bottles of ale reappeared, quietly consumed at Myron Barney's fishing camp on nearby Stony Island at the height of Prohibition. Because of its proximity to Canada and its many bays and coves, Henderson Harbor was ideal for smuggling booze during Prohibition. The notorious Lake Ontario bootlegger Tony Kane was arrested near the island at Snowshoe Point. And a popular offloading place for smugglers was Ding's Cove, now called Hovey's Cove, after Claude and Clara Hovey bought the Ding's family farm, pictured here on the left on the west side of Henderson Bay. Back when uh, my grandfather and grandmother ran the farm at Ding's Bay, my dad was a teenager uh, during Prohibition and the uh, bootleggers would come around from Canada into Henderson Harbor and at night pull up into that little uh, boat area and dad would sneak out of the house and go down there and help them unload the uh, cartons of whiskey and whatever and load it on a, a team of horses or a small little old truck and go away and he'd earn you know, $5, $10 or whatever, and uh, whether he ever told his mother and father, I don't know, but he used to tell me he used to do that for fun of it. My dad was a teenager, and like a lot of people during the summer when Association Island was uh, running, he used to work. We were over on uh, Association Island for GE, and he told me that just many days they would bring stuff from Henderson Harbor across on a barge. There was no road right down through uh, then. And uh, he would help unload case after case of radio tubes. And what they would do is take those radio tubes out of the case, turn them upside down, pull a cork out of the bottom, and there would be three or four shots of whiskey in each tube. And uh, that's how they smuggled their booze into Association Island. In the early days, an original song was recorded called Hullabaloo Boys, named after an island boat and about the fun and games among the elite GE managers. Boys 
Many of them brought their families, reserving two or more cabins side by side for children and grandchildren. Warm, breezy afternoons were filled with lounging in the sun or under an island shade tree. And golf, which had recently become popular in America and became a driving force for executives to go to Association Island. Good fellowship is The lack of space for golf on both Association and Hovey's Island would influence GE's effort to move from Association Island to the much larger Carlton Island in the St. Lawrence River in 1930. However, the Depression and then World War II interrupted those plans and eventually GE gave up. The 20s were the apex of casual life on Association Island. All the top executives such as Gerard Swope, Owen D. Young, Edwin Rice, Francis Pratt, Jesse Lovejoy, and Terry and Tremaine would spend weeks on the island. Families would lounge around the cabins or on the steps of the administration building, spend afternoons sailing or canoeing in Henderson Bay, and there was always swimming in the lake with the children. Spirited games were set up for the kids on the island, biting for donuts from a string, racing along a track marked in chalk on the parade grounds, and chasing a local farmer's grease pig, even if it meant chasing the pig into the water. Fishing and sailing excursions were popular on the island's pleasure boats, such as the Dauntless. In this film, the sailing and motor yacht is tied to the dock near Myron Barney's fishing camp on nearby Stony Island. Many fishing trips took time out for a customary shore dinner on one of the islands, with the local fishing guides cooking their freshly caught fish, potatoes, and bacon over an open fire, where picnic tables had been stashed in the trees for a little comfort. This was the second Dauntless at Henderson Harbor. It was large enough to hold a small dinghy and one of the finest boats in the island fleet. It was named after the original Dauntless, a large steam yacht that ferried passengers from the mainland in the early days of the island. Visitors sometimes stayed for several weeks. Life on the island was made easier when they were ferried about in the back of a truck. And when it came time to leave, the visitors and their luggage were hauled by the boats back to Henderson Harbor. Their cars were often kept in Goodwin Snow's garage. The innkeeper, grocer, gasoline dealer, mechanic, and even postmaster often passed the warm summer days on the front porch of his store along Harbor Road. Snow is the tall man on the left. Islanders joke that they would always find six feet of snow in Henderson Harbor, even in July. In 1928, GE's world-famous Elfin Society was formed on Association Island. Originally an investment club and think tank, members held their meetings under the island's elm tree. The giant elm, which died from disease and was cut down in the early 1970s, remains the symbol of the Elfin Volunteer Organization today. Also during the 20s, flooding plagued Association Island. High water from the lake eroded the shoreline and damaged footbridges and docks. It nearly flooded the employees' dormitory. 
Water lapped up to the edge of the dining hall and filled the island lagoon with high water around the boathouse. The flooding inundated Hovey's Island too, coming up to the foundation of Brown Cottage on the southeast side of the island. It completely surrounded the Hovey family barn and the little Snowshoe Inn fishing camp along Snowshoe Bay near the cut. And look carefully at this scene from the 1920s. It's obvious the flooding caused extensive damage to the original Harbor Inn, destroying the docks in front of the inn. These are the only pictures known to exist of this event. And more damage. The building on the left is the stone block cottage on the waterfront. The Gill House is the bright white building in the center background. And then, looking south, is a complex of boathouses, Goodwin Snow's store and garage, and on the far right, just a glimpse of McConnell's boathouse, which later became Henshin Marina. The constant flooding, even after planting the rows of trees along Ontario Place on Association Island, would play a significant role in GE's attempt to move to Carleton Island in 1930. By 1930, GE was celebrating 18 lucrative years on the island with a special visit from U.S. Navy Rear Admiral and world explorer Richard E. Byrd. He was one of the most famous men in the world. It was the height of the company's summer camps with family games and sporting events. Sailing and swimming in the bay a lot of eating and drinking, and digesting the GE recipe for manufacturing, innovation and engineering, and sales and marketing. In July of 1931, sailors from Camp Engineering at Association Island were caught in a squall in the bay between Henderson Harbor and the island. Realizing the danger for the GE men and their small sailboats, a motorboat was sent to their rescue, but it was too late. A sailboat went down in the lake storm, similar to this scene several years later, and a prominent engineer from GE headquarters in Schenectady, New York, was drowned in the bay. The tragedy was one of many that would occur in Association Island over 50 years that it was used as a corporate management retreat for the General Electric Company. And it was a defining moment for GE's bucolic summer resort. After that season, Association Island was closed for six long years during the Great Depression. When the Depression waned, the island reopened in 1937. 19-year-old Lillian Tiller worked in the kitchen for John Austin at Association Island for $10 a week. At the age of 94, she recalled some fond memories of life on the island as she thumbed through the photographs she took with a box camera in the years leading up to World War II. We could watch them come in to the dock. They all gathered off of the four boats that came, and it didn't seem to separate the help from the guests. They did say that they brought their own waitresses, cooks. I saw the harbor light. Friday nights was the biggest night. 
the Wahine would take the guests and the little boats would take the help. And they would go over to Henderson Harbor, not get anywhere near the dock you couldn't get off, and the band would play. People used to come from all over Henderson, Belleville, Smithville, and listen to the band. The dock at Henderson Harbor was full of cars every Friday night, and Harbor Lights was the main song that they played, because that was when Harbor Lights first came out. And that is my strongest memory of Harbor Lights. A mother harbor light will steal your love from me. Association Island closed again for World War II as GE focused on war production and cutting expenses. And when the war ended, the island was reopened in 1946, with GE pushing straight into many lucrative years, selling home appliances to rejuvenated American families. But this was also the year that another tragedy struck the island. On the morning of July 2nd, 1946, the Island Administration Building, the focal point for activities, burned to the ground along with one cabin next to it. Many island documents were lost in the fire, but fortunately, nobody was hurt. Also in the summer of 46, islanders dedicated a large stone monument with a plaque to many GE employees who lost their lives during World War II. 65 years later, the stone was still on the island, but the plaque was long gone. Then in June 1948, this cabin cruiser, the Shangri-La, owned by island ferryboat captain and Henderson Harbor resident Bob Pratt, caught on fire late one night offshore from the island. Four local residents died when they jumped overboard, but Pratt and his wife were rescued and taken to the island for safety. The 1950s were more happy days at Association Island. GE was rapidly expanding, and every summer, more executives, salesmen, and engineers rode the overnight trains, gathered at stations for the bus ride to Henderson Harbor, and then boarded the ferry boats for Association Island. The morning business meetings continued, but the sophomoric costumes and games all but disappeared. Activities included golf, sailing, shooting, plenty of eating and drinking, and entertainment that might have been considered a bit risque for the 1950s in ultra-conservative upstate New York. It all ended, though, in 1956, when GE decided, because of changing corporate structure, increasing maintenance costs and transportation issues, to pull out of Association Island. By 1957, the GE cameras recorded their final sunset over the lake. In 1959, the island was sold to the New York State YMCA, and a new era began.
In 1960, the Y moved on to Association Island and continued summer activities as if GE had never left. The only difference was GE had the money to run the island as a first-class corporate retreat. The Y did not. The early days of the Y are remembered by island employee and former Henderson Harbor resident Harold Hutchinson. We opened cabins, we opened and restored bathhouses, just general maintenance. There was 284 buildings on the island and every one of them needed something. Most of which were the 12 by 12 cabins with a 12 foot overhang, compromising the main tent line as it was called, and Ontario Lane down through to the other end of the island. The Y hired Richard Dick Billings to manage the resort, and they continued operating the boats that carried visitors to the island through 1966. Meals were still served on the lawn beneath the island elm tree, but for the Y, sporting and religious events were the main activities. In 1964, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes held its national conference on the island. A few famous athletes attended, Basketball star Bill Bradley and Carl Erskine from the L.A. Dodgers gave a baseball pitching demonstration. The Y closed the island in 1967 for financial reasons and began selling assets like the barge, LCM, and other items that generated just $39,000. The causeway was built from Hovey's Island to Association Island in 1968 and the properties were put up for sale. The islands were soon proposed for a development of cottages, boathouses and marinas. But when all the legal and political wrangling was settled, the island was sold for $310,000 to the nonprofit Association Island Recreational Corporation, headed once again by Dick Billings. Dick just loved it here. He just, he really wanted it so badly to, to, to develop in, for his dream. They would hold uh, dances on a Saturday night. And the, the town hall had like French doors that they would open up. And they would send a claverack over to the Harbor Road here. You get on the claverack and they'd take you over for the dances. And it was always lovely come across the lake and they'd have music playing and it was nice that the community could share in the activities that they had even though most of the people who went there were for conferences but they invited our the community as a whole to come over and in one last attempt to pay for itself Billings arranged for the island to be used for sailing trials for the US Olympic sailing team as it was during the GE days, the bay was filled with sailboats in 1975 and 76, but by 1977, the financial pressure was too great. The final blow came soon afterward. The cabins, so unique to this historical island, were auctioned off and carried away one by one. Seventy years after they began, the days of Association Island as a conference and training center were over.
Hallelujah. Oh. 